Section 138, a Blue J- Toronto Blue Jays podcast talking all things Blue Jays. I will be your host this week. I am Bryson. I'm, as always, joined alongside Jacob. Jacob, how are you? Doing a lot better with this Blue Jays team, and there's another Toronto team that I'd, uh, I've given up on, I've moved on from, and I'm focusing full-time on this team now. Yeah, you know, I think I kind of jinxed it at the uh, last... <laughs> I remember <laughs> saying, hopefully when you're listening to this, uh, they're in the second round. That's not the case, but we will not be talking about them today. They are, yeah, we're that they're old news now. Uh, anyways, unfortunately, Mark was unable to join us for today's recording, so we will go um, as scheduled without him. But he will be back for the end of the next series uh, at the end of the week after the Jays conclude a three-game series with Houston. So we expect Mark to be back for that one. But anyways, uh, today we're going to be talking about pretty much the recent two-game series that the Blue Jays were just in. They sweep the Miami Marlins, um, and then today they are enjoying an off day before. The they're back in action tomorrow. As I previously mentioned, they're taking on the Astros. We'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, um, these past two games, Jacob, a little bit of a shorter series. So obviously going to be a little bit less to talk about today. But either way, Jays are coming off probably one of the worst losses of the year, at least one of them, uh, in terms of that fiasco against Cleveland on the Sunday. And then they return to action uh, Tuesday, they, their very first game in Buffalo, and it, it goes well. They win 5-1, to one, and then yesterday was obviously the, memor- the memorable one where they came back. Uh, they did a ninth inning rally to walk it off against the Marlins. So, Jacob, uh, I guess to just to ask you right away uh, about your thoughts on the series and pretty much who your favorite or, you know, people that you listed down as key performers from this past series. You know what? I think overall this was a really good series for pretty much the entire team. Now, Tim Meza, he had two appearances both days. He threw a scoreless this inning in the first one and then I think he threw two-thirds of an inning scoreless in the second inning or the second game uh he was actually really good like I said they were both scoreless and he's coming down from or coming back from quite a few bad outings in a row I looked at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. four for four in the first game with three RBIs and a home run uh Lourdes Gurriel Jr. he actually went to uh three for four with a home run in the first game his average after the second game is now 265 that's fantastic, I think, especially considering he was under 200 for quite a while to start the season. Robbie Ray is another one that I'm looking at, actually. A lot of the starting pitchers, well, a lot of the pitchers in general were good. Ray had six innings, uh, two two walks, one earned run, nine strikeouts. But the, the key for that one, for me, is the fact that the one earned run was not scored off of a home run. And a couple of episodes ago, I said that 60% of his runs were scored on the home run ball. And Sportsnet, I think, on the last start that he had, put out a stat saying that he had allowed 80% of the runs he had allowed were home runs. And so, obviously, that has gotten worse for him throughout the the course of the last couple weeks. But he looked better in the start against the Marlins. Uh, And then in Game 2, I thought it was interesting. Randall Gritchick was 2-for-5 with two home runs. Alec Manoa did get a little roughed up, but... I mean, it's one start. It's his second start in the big leagues. It's, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs, and I'm not too worried about that. Uh, the bullpen, though, I thought was good. Joel Pamps and Tim Meza, as I mentioned earlier, Meza was scoreless. Pamps was scoreless as well. Carl Edwards Jr. had a scoreless debut. Uh, overall, I mean, it was pretty good. And then there was that rally in the last uh, in the last inning against the Marlins where Reese McGuire started off with a... Uh, I thought he was, first of all, I thought he was going to get pinched hit for it, but he didn't. He started off with the leadoff single. Bichette then with his, obviously his triple, that was fantastic. And it was an up and away pitch too. So that was 
great. Like he slapped it right down the, I think the right field line and kudos to him scored two runs. And then obviously Joe panic came in. He did his job, got a run for the blue Jays and it's a fantastic end to the, well, it's not the end of the homestand actually, but a fantastic end of this series as they welcome the Houston asterisks to town in a couple days. Yeah, just uh, realizing right after you brought up Reese McGuire, this is actually just remembered oh, man. the first episode. It's just been me and or you and I recording since that uh, whole topic that happened last year. Live. But anyways, <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with that, if you're the, you know just listening before that, you guys should go back and take a look or take, tune into that one. But yeah, uh, anyways, it was it, it was a good series. Um, obviously, you're coming off of a you're, you sweep Miami in a short two game series. And just the fact of the matter is, we all know what happened on the Sunday, and the Jays had an off day to, I guess, I don't know, re- recover from it or look past it, and they n- now begin their homestand in Buffalo, their very first one of the year. And let me just mention the atmosphere in Buffalo. Uh, wow, what a it's 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 just a lot better to it's more it's a lot more relieving, I should say, just to the fact that they're playing in Buffalo with actual supporters rather than uh, pretty much the the stadium being filled with visit visitors or visiting fans. And that's why it just it's it's a really cool scene down in Buffalo what they got going on right now. And of course, I'm sure Jacob, you saw too the renovations that they underwent there at Salem Field. Everything looks really good. There's a new clubhouse. Pretty much the bullpens have been moved. There's new grass, a lot of upgrades, and even the new there's new lighting. So a lot of upgrades, and um, it's definitely in a lot better shape than it was last year when the Jays spent all of last year there. But either way, uh, thank you again to Buffalo, and I'm sure the Jays are very thankful for a second year now that they're going to be hosting them until the Jays can eventually return home. But either way, um, you know, going on the first of all, starting with the Tuesday game, I thought right away it was a very good bounce back game from what we saw on Sunday. It was very complete. And it's just, it was solid all around. A 5-1 win. Robbie Ray um, coming off of a, I guess, a mediocre start against the Yankees. He he allowed four earned runs in that start. And he comes, uh, or he goes through that and pretty much bounces back on the Tuesday going six innings, giving up one earned run, strikes out nine, and walks two. So that's a pretty good bounce back outing. And of course, we all know the offense. Jacob, you went over some key performers. And the bullpen held their ground too. So that was a very complete uh, win and then obviously yesterday was the one pretty much the highlight for I think a lot of us and just for all of us you know it's just it was very interesting to see or not even interesting it was just kind of in my opinion I was shocked because I wasn't really expecting this to happen in terms of their them coming back it just felt like the Jays had a few opportunities throughout the game that they couldn't really capitalize on early on and then it's just right at the end they finally came up clutch and they did it with all without hitting the home run which is something that was i guess hasn't really been something that's been consistent this year so we all know what happened pretty much um around the fourth inning or even randall gritchick first of all uh, in the second and the fourth inning as i was saying two home runs and that pretty much got the jay started and then they they slowly made their made their way back and in the ninth inning it's when it all happened when bobuchet hit a triple and then Joe Panic pretty much had a sack fly to win the game. So obviously right there for a team that needs to make a push. So we've been saying this all around. They need to make a push. They're in a hard division. I think coming into the series alone on Monday, or sorry, when they had their off day, they're about six and a half games back. They've already made up two of those games. They're now four and a half games back. And it's just something that needs to be done. You know, if you look back on it now, I don't know if you agree or not, Jacob, but if they lose that game yesterday and split the series with Miami, it just doesn't seem like it was successful at all because you know, I, I know you split the series, and I know all could be um, there. There could be a lot of good takeaways, but the fact of the matter is, there's been so many games these past two weeks that they've let are pretty much that have got out of their hands. We know going back to even their last home stand back in Dunedin against uh, the Red Sox, there was the one game. There was the game against Tampa when Tampa scored four runs in the ninth inning, and then there was the re- most recent uh, game in Cleveland this past weekend. And there's just 
there's just been a lot of games that they've thrown away. And the fact is, they come out yesterday, they sweep Miami. Those are two crucial games, and it takes a lot of it takes a lot away um, from them in terms of them making a push. Because if you look at it now, and they lose that game, they would have been 28 and 26, and you know they're kind of still sitting at the same spot that they were on the weekend. And it, nothing really changes. And then, of course, you have a tough weekend coming up against the Astros. These two games right here were crucial. And I'm sure you agree with me on that, and I'll ask you in a sec as well. But even going back to that game yesterday, um, it's just a lot different than the first game. And it's just really good to see them come back. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that before we move on. Well, first of all, I totally agree with you. Uh, going into the series, Miami was 24-28. and 28, So they were under 500, and the Blue Jays were 20. 7 and 25. So, I mean, there's a bit of a difference between the two. Neither of them have been overly good, but the Blue Jays, I think they've been better than their six game losing streak would say they've been. Obviously, they were six games over 500, and you win a couple of those games. It's not a that big of a losing streak, and you could easily be over 30 wins right now. But uh, considering the fact that the Miami Marlins are not as good a team as the Blue Jays, they're obviously they're under 500 by quite a bit now. These are games you absolutely have to win, and when you have the chance to win, you take it. I mean, Bo Bichette, obviously, like I said earlier, he slapped a triple down the down the line, scored two runs, and then we saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez get walked, which uh, set the tone for Joe Panic. And it's just th- that when you have that type of opportunity, we go back to the the Tampa Bay Rays series where they had five men on in the final two innings of that uh, I think twelve inning game or something, and they didn't capitalize. When you have another opportunity like that, or even when you just have an opportunity like that, you got to score, and they did. And yeah, if they if they didn't win that game, considering the circumstances, I'd be extremely mad because like you can't keep letting games like this go. You can't you come back. You obviously didn't have a great start from your starter, but when you're able to capitalize on runs, you absolutely have to in a competitive competitive division like the AL East because it's June now. Like we're at the point where the standings are going to start to solidify. And you, you, you remember in 2017 when the Blue Jays were under 500, I think the entire season, but you kept hearing Jamie Campbell talk about on the broadcast, the Blue Jays were at one point like three games below the second wildcard spot, but there were five or six teams that were also like that. And there was pretty much no shot of them making the playoffs. And winning games like this, that gives them a chance. It, it truly does. And, and I mean, I say give them a chance as in, or as if the playoffs start tomorrow, but point is is they they're winning when they need to be that losing streak i think is behind them and i'm just i going into a tough series with the houston astros like regardless of what we want to say about the science stealing and pretending to bang trash cans they are a good team so like yeah the blue like the blue jays they need to take these games hopefully win one or two or three from the astros i hope two or three like i uh, when i say one of three that's not the goal but it's a tough team, like, and we all know it. So going into that series to take two of three or two of two, actually, from a a tougher or an easier opponent, that's definitely a good sign, and it's the expectation I think for this team. Yeah, and that's why going back to what I said about them sweeping the series of how important it was, it's just because of this weekend alone. And I think we've gone over it as well uh, a few weeks ago. Is that their schedule? for the first half of June is tough. And then near the end of the the month, it's going to cool off a bit and it's going to get a lot easier. You have Baltimore twice, you have Seattle, and you're going to have a lot of opportunities to make that jump. But the fact is, it was a very important two-game series because of how difficult the schedule is early on. They have the Astros now coming up. They have the Yankees again. And there's a couple of tough matchups that lie ahead of them. There's no question about that. And they need to make a push. We know where they're sitting right now, currently fourth in the, the AL East. 
and uh, led by a lot of offense, though. At least, you know, the, the bats are, are waking up. I think we've kind of discussed that as well. Lots of guys are staying hot. I think the Jays have about six players who have had an OPS over 11, or at least over 1,000 this past week. So a lot of good players heating up. A lot of people adjusting to Buffalo very well. We know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit his 17th home run, the very first home run in Buffalo for the year. Randall Gritchick had two yesterday. And somebody that also keeps continues to catch my eye, and I've mentioned it, I think the past two weeks now, for sure, last week was Rowdy Telez. We all know he loves Buffalo, and one of the probably one of the most players that can benefit the most out of this move for someone who's been struggling is him. He's been batting 400 with an OPS of 1,300 this past week alone, and he's got one home run and one RBI to tally to that. And it's just, you know, a lot of these players are still are uh, now at least continuing to heat up, and the offense is there. It's just obviously we know the pitching hasn't exactly been the greatest, and that's where we talk about Alec Manoa in our next topic. We know how it went yesterday, uh, pretty much the first time in a while, and I think it's been it's been quite a bit, maybe over a calendar year, where at least he got a little bit roughed up on the mound. Uh, he he went three and a third yesterday, four hits, four and runs, three walks, five strikeouts. So while he struck out a lot, or at least a decent uh, number of batters, it was five. He just didn't have it yesterday, and you know, for someone who's making their second career start, I think his situation to begin with is maybe not exactly in the easiest position. I know he's coming off a very or a successful and solid start against the Yankees, but Jacob wanted to get your thoughts on his start overall yesterday. And was it something that you kind of expected? Is it something that you're kind of concerned about going forward? Just your overall thoughts about Alec Manoa's start yesterday. Well, I mean, he did really well against a good Yankee lineup, and. He didn't do very well against a weaker Miami Marlins lineup, so I'm not really sure how much I can take out of that. Uh, I, I Do I think he's staying in the rotation? Yes. I, I would be shocked, beyond shocked, if the Blue Jays sent him down like they did with Nate Pearson, but I think, like, I, I'm not looking too much into it. If he has another bad start, then I think we can say, okay, well, was this truly the right decision? Like, obviously, he's a highly ranked prospect, and he's somebody that we all want to see in the big leagues, but was... June or was May of 2021 the right decision to bring him up or the right time to bring him up so I'm not sure I, I like it wasn't a very good start obviously three he had three walks as you mentioned uh, to go with those five strikeouts so the command was sort of there it wasn't always there and with the four earned runs it he got a little roughed up like the, I think there's no doubt about that but but uh it's just I'll give him one more start and We'll we'll see what happens. Like when I say one more start, I mean like he's probably staying in the rotation for the majority of the season, if not all of it. But yeah, I'm not looking too much into it, and I'll just we'll see where it goes from there. I I don't know what his next start is or who his next start is off the top of my head, but he'll get another start. He'll get a lot of other starts, and I'm just I'm not too concerned about it. Just considering that he is a highly ranked prospect, and he was he had a, a 0.5 ERA in the minors this season. Very small sample size, but still, obviously, he he can get guys out. So, it's we'll give him some time. Like the major leagues, I saw people tweeting saying the major leagues is different from the minor leagues. And there's obviously, if you make a bad pitch in the minors, you could get away with it. But in the majors, you're not going to get away with it. And that's probably just all that we saw. So, I'll give him one more shot. And it's just I'm I'm not too I'm not too worried. And I don't think a lot of fans should be worried either. It's just it's one start, one bad start. We'll see where he can he can go from there. Yeah, you know what? I'm not too concerned, and I think we kind of all had the expectation that this was something that was possible and something that was eventually going to happen in terms of him not being the sharpest in, in from his start, but it's just something that we haven't seen from him at all since pretty much making that jump to AAA this year, and then I guess 
uh, in his first two starts here. It's just something that we haven't seen in, in quite some time, and he's pretty much touched on it a little bit yesterday, saying how he's been roughed up a lot worse before, but at least before he was in the the major leagues, and he didn't seem concerned about it, which is obviously a very good sign. But yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I'm in terms of um, him or people questioning the call up. I think he's here for the long run. I agree with you on that one. Uh, but you know what? It it's just it was hard to judge yesterday because a lot of pitches from what I saw in terms of highlighting it is that a lot of pitches he did pretty much were hanging out. He tipped a lot of pitches over the plate. And regardless if that's something that he's just got to clean up, it probably is. But the one thing I've pretty much come to a conclusion for in these two starts, regardless of his performance, is that the tools are there. The he, He's sharp. When he's sharp, he's on. And the potential's there. The talent's there. But the tools are there, most importantly. He he did show signs yesterday where um, he did pitch really well. He just had that one inning, obviously, alone, where he allowed four and runs. He just didn't have it. Three walks, five strikeouts. And the five strikeouts was obviously something that I took away from in terms of him having the tools. And that's why, you know, I'm not concerned. I think it's something that he needs to go through, and I think it's something that they will continue to work at. But a lot of this, you know, comes... A lot of this comes with the fact that he just needs a lot of polishing to do still. And I'm, regardless if you want to do that in AAA or on a regular basis, you usually do it at AAA. I think it's a lot of, um, in terms of that, I think a lot of pitchers do that in AAA. You know, kind of at the end of their development, you see a lot of these last-minute touch-ups happen in AAA. Because AA to AAA is probably the biggest jump in terms of the minor leagues. But in this case, for Alec Manoa, he's going to be making this, or these last-minute pol- or pretty much polishing uh, his play up in the major leagues. So that's why I'm not concerned at all. But either way, it's just it, it's tough to, I guess, come out of yesterday in, in terms of his performance. We know it's just obviously disappointing. But in terms of his next start as well, it seems like it'll be at some point during the White Sox series because obviously this weekend they have, uh, they have Ryu, Mats, and Stripling going this weekend. And then they have an off day again on the Monday and then that's when they go to Chicago. And Robbie Ray is going to be starting the opener in Chicago. And I'm sure Alec Manoa will get a start by then. But yeah, there's not too much to take away from. I'm not concerned at all. For anyone questioning why he's up in the, the major leagues or anyone kind of writing him off already after one bad start, is it's obviously uh, a joke if, if you want to really do that. But he just needs polishing. And I think it's, I think it's um, that simple. And I do think that a lot of people notice as I just touched on, is that the, the talent is there, which is why the, the, this kid remains ex, uh, exciting. And that's why I'm, you know, his next start, whenever it'll be, probably in the White Sox series, like I just mentioned, that'll be an even more uh, start that I'm looking forward to. How is he going to bounce back? How much better will he look in terms of his command, in terms of his effectiveness, where he's putting the ball, anything like that. If he's, if he's painting it around the strike zone, that's why I'm pretty excited for his next start. But either way, not concerned, and um, you know I think we all expected this to happen at some point. And either way, he he's still going to be a very good pitcher. So lots to uh, take away and lots to look forward to, regardless regardless of his outing. Mm-hmm. Like the thing with him, like I mentioned in the Yankee series review, you cannot get a fastball the way he has it just by working on it. I mean, maybe some guys can really try and develop and and try to get a a really good grip on their fastball or something. But Alec Manoa, it's clear that the movement on his fastball just is an indicator that he's a talented pitcher and you just got to work on that. I mean, he was close to walking the first batter in yesterday's game. I think he he w- did walk the first batter in the Yankees start. So just a bit of polishing. It's it's not the end of the world. It's it, This isn't an indication that he's a fluke or that he's not going to be a good pitcher. It's just, it's growing pains. I mean, we saw it. Look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He was in the first season that he had, he was, um, uh, first of all, Pitcher and batter are two very different positions, but still the idea that 
the talent was there for Vladdy and he just he wasn't able to capitalize on it it just it took him a bit of time and that's probably all it is I'm not too worried it's just you know give him some time we'll see how he's able to better locate his pitches I know he sometimes one of the dangers with having a lot of movement on your pitches is that you got to locate them extremely well or else they're going to come out of the strike zone so all you got to do is work on that that's it and the talent's there he'll get major league hitters out and I mean come on this guy blew a fastball by Aaron Judge and forced him to fall to his knees like you don't get that by being lucky like he he is a fantastic pitcher and I'm even more excited to see him pitch against the White Sox is I think he'll rebound and I think he'll be good like and not to mention he only threw three and a third innings like that's that's not a lot I think he, now he's up to just over nine innings so we'll give him some time yeah so like we'll we'll give him I'm assuming maybe five to six innings next start, five at least, because then he can at least qualify for a win if the Blue Jays are leading at that time. But yeah, it's 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 not a worry for me, and he's here to the, to stay in the rotation. That's at the end of the day, that is I think the the key. He's not leaving the starting rotation, just considering the Blue Jays need him, and why not? The he he doesn't have any more developing to do in the minors, so let's just give him the. Let's just give it to him. Let's see what he can do. Give him the ball, and he's he's clearly been good so far. So let's just... I, I don't think we can kind of blow out of proportion his one bad start. Yeah, not at all. And that, the one thing, too, why I'm not concerned is that he's not concerned. He said it. He seemed fine. And the fact is, he was very into it yesterday during their comeback. He was at the top of the dugout having a good time. And that's the one thing you need to have in this league, or in terms of that, any professional league, obviously, it's easy to say for us, but I think it's something that makes sense, is that you need to have a short memory if you want to be successful. So that's why, you know, it happened, and uh, we're going to move on to the next series, and I think, like I said, Chicago is probably where he'll be starting next. Let's see how he bounces back for that. But either way, lots to, I guess, take away from these past two days. And something else that happened, and something that we discussed, I think, last week, was that Marcus Simeon, the month that he had in May, it finally paid off in terms of um, the Player of the Month, as MLB officially announced it yesterday, that he was named the AL Player of the Month. He finishes May with an, a batting line of 368, 429, 702, an OPS of 1,130. 1, That's an insane. With eight home runs, 22 RBIs, 12 walks, and a 2.3 war. And that 2.3 war led the league uh, in terms of war for that entire month. So, I mean, I know we, we discussed it last week, but I guess your overall thoughts, or if you were surprised or not, that he was named the AL Player of the Month and what we can expect from Semyon, I guess, as we head into June? Uh, I'm not... I'm not surprised that he won it considering the performance, but if you were to ask me back in April, do you think Marcus Simeon would win Player of the Month? I would say absolutely not. Not because he's a bad player, but just I, it's hard to anticipate a guy batting under 200 literally turn a, do a 180 and, and completely turn himself around, but... You know what? He is he's been fantastic. He's been the probably the best leadoff hitter the Blue Jays have had in a while, even if it is just one month. I mean, you mentioned his stats, they were fantastic. Uh I I, I think I said in the last episode, I'm in, I, I'm more intrigued to see if he's able to at least stay on par with his numbers or at least be decent. Like is a three sixty eight average realistic for an entire season? Probably not, but if he's hitting maybe two seventy five, two eighty, two ninety then I would consider that a successful season, and it's just, it's starting to to bring up the question, should the Blue Jays re-sign him? Because I keep seeing comments on our on our episodes and on our on my personal account, people are saying, what do we do with Simeon after this season? Do they, do the Blue Jays re-sign him? And I, I believe we did talk about this last episode, so I won't rehash it too much, but 
basically this is a one-year deal and just Simeon you know he's setting himself up for one heck of a payday uh, and you know what if like here's the thing if the Blue Jays do end up going to the playoffs which I expect them to if you have a guy like George Springer in your lineup you have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. you have Marcus Simeon that's a pretty darn dangerous lineup so like as long as these guys can keep it up and Simeon's is one of those guys that I'm looking at then this is it's it's a very very exciting team, I think, and just Simeon. I said this when the Blue Jays brought him on. I think he's bridging the gap from from these kind of from this era of Blue Jays baseball to when they bring in Austin Martin or Jordan Groshans, and he's he's doing a fantastic job, and he's 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 definitely been very exciting to watch. Absolutely, and to start off the month of June as well, going back to the very first game of the series, he went two for four. I mean, that's a pretty good day anyway, anyone to go two for four. And then yesterday as well, he had another good day at the plate. Uh, he finished one for three with two walks. So, you know, it doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon as we head into June. And that's just a key player in terms of this lineup. And we know how much, we know the injuries to George Springer. We know how people have to step up. And S- Simeon has been that guy to step up. And I think, yeah, we did discuss it last week. But, you know, I, I don't understand. And we, we, just, we didn't really cover it a whole lot. I remember asking you guys if, um, you know, if the Jays should extend him. And I obviously think I think so. I mean, I, I still come. I think of it now and say, why not offer him extension in in the middle of the season? I'm not saying he's going to say yes. Will he say yes? Probably not. He's probably going to want to test the market. But why not try? I don't understand why why not try. I know you can give. Him, I know Mark was mentioning last week or last episode. You can give him a qualifying offer at the end of the year, and then if he walks, you can get a draft pick. You can all do that still. But why not try and extend him in the middle of the year? I, I don't understand why you don't try. I think it's something that they should. And I see him definitely part of this roster for the next couple of years at least. He's he's a key member playing second base. And this team, we know, we know they're competitive. I just, I would I would like to see them try it and at least extend him and not, you know, just let him walk and let him test the market. At least try. And before you, you handle all that in terms of that, I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, I wouldn't be against it. It's like if Simeon's a good player and he's benefiting the team, then obviously that's a good idea. I'm just, I don't like, I feel like if the Blue Jays are to try and extend him this season or during the season, almost a guarantee he says no. So I'm kind of like of the mindset of why not just wait till the end of the season? I don't like, would I like to have him back? Yes, but I I think that it's more likely that they keep him or, or they keep the contract talks till the end of the season. And We'll see what he says. If they give him a qualifying offer, uh, it's who knows? Maybe he could take it. I mean, I think it all depends on how he performs throughout the rest of the season because I think there is regression throughout the rest of the season, but that's just because he, he was MVP candidate level in May. So if he's hitting around 290, something like that, then that's definitely a likely scenario. And you can easily get 18 19 million dollars uh, from Rogers and pay him that would definitely not be something that I'm against yeah and that's all I'm saying is why not try but either way um it'll be interesting to see what how that happens I guess when we get to it but for the rest of the way we're still about I think a third of the way through the season we've got still got lots of baseball left and yeah lots of time left for these guys to get healthy in terms of the pitching in terms of George Springer because we still hopefully we can have him back by the end of the month but uh before I wrap it up I believe you had a question for me Jacob I do I was just about to mention this yes. so at one thing that I mentioned and I was or that I noticed as I was watching Blue Jays in 30 just before we came on and obviously I watched the game yesterday but I was a little excited so I, my head wasn't fully in uh, analyzer yeah, mode but uh, what I noticed is on that final play where Joe Panic hit a ball to Starling Marte 
I don't know. I mean, I'm sure everybody saw it, but Starling Marte dropped the ball. And I mean that quite literally, well, figuratively and literally, like the ball didn't, it landed on the grass. But uh, one thing that I found interesting is regardless of if he catches that, the Blue Jays are going to win the game because the the runner at third was going to tag. I believe it was uh, Guerrero. He was going to tag and he was going to go home regardless. But if you're Don Mattingly, the manager of the Miami Marlins, are you angry at that? And I mean, to you, would you be angry at that? A play where realistically the game is over and catch it drop it you're still losing the game but is that something where you're saying I don't care you still catch the ball like it kind of similar to me if if you hit something that's for sure going to be just a ground out you still hustle down the line and you've seen a lot of guys get in trouble for not hustling and it's to me when I look at that I think I know that the wind was bothering people but the ball was it was literally in Marte's glove and he, it just it came out because it looked like the he just didn't I think he realized the game was over and he just, he let it drop. But personally, I'd be angry at him. I would, or not angry, but I would talk to him and say, what was going on there? Why did the ball come out of your glove? Like, was it the wind or was it just, you knew the game was over? So I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of blowing this out of proportion, but what do you think? Would you be angry at that? Or is that something where you would kind of, kind of let it slide just given the circumstances? Yeah, like it's tough because you obviously don't know if he really meant to drop it or not. But either way, anytime you drop it, it's kind of it's. I always feel like it's embarrassing, no matter who you are. Anytime you drop it, but um, you know, I don't know. And if he, it was kind of, it seemed like it was kind of like a lackluster effort. So maybe he just didn't like. It, it obviously didn't matter, but he didn't care either. But if you know, if I'm Don Mattingly, I probably would be a little upset of, of, about that, and just in terms of work ethic, it's just, it's just hard to judge off of it. And in terms of Don Mattingly too, and I guess I can counter it as well. Um, you know, that inning alone, it's very questionable from him. I, I mean, I don't know if you. Well, first of all, uh, Bo Bichette, we all know he hits the triple. Uh, Jonathan Davis, who's pinch hitting for Reese McGuire after he single scores. Marcus Simeon sco- or Simeon scores, and then after that. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is intentionally walked. Teoscar Hernandez is intentionally walked. And he pretty much puts runners on first and second. Um, or even loads the bases since Boba shuts at third. And then that's pretty much how the game ends. So and that's going back to what you said on that play there. Because obviously Joe Panic hit a sack fly to Marte. But yeah, I would definitely be disappointed or a little upset if I was Don Madeline. But it's just hard to say if you really meant to do it or not. Because we know the the effort didn't seem like it was all there. But any anytime you drop it, it's embarrassing. So that's why I would be obviously disappointed as well. But either way, too. And I can counter that for you is, you know, what are your thoughts on how... Don Mattingly approached that ninth inning in terms of intentionally walking uh, Guerrero and Hernandez, both of them, to load the bases. He loaded the bases, and that's why I was um, just wondering on, you know, how that was handled because a lot of people were also wondering or questioning why that exactly or Mattingly did that. We understand. I think we all knew that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was going to walk, but in terms of walking Hernandez as well, you know, did you agree with that or did you see that coming? Uh, you know what? I actually, now that I look at, it, I'm glad that you asked that because I pulled it up. Uh, Guerrero in that game yesterday was one for four with, uh, it doesn't say what he had, but he was one for four. So he had a hit and one at bat. Teoscar Hernandez was 0 for four. And I know that Teoscar's hitting, he's hitting 300 now after that 0 for, but I don't know why you necessarily would intentionally walk him in order to get Randall Gritchick, who was two for five, because he, uh, Joe Panic was the second guy. Randall Gritchick hit a fielder's choice where they got the runner at, at home, but I don't really agree with that because like you're obviously Guerrero was going to get walked even if he's having a one for four day he's still hitting 335 and he's an an MVP candidate but 
Teoscar Hernandez, yes, he's been very good, but he's also had a bad game in terms of the just the numbers. I mean, three strikeouts. I don't know necessarily why you why you would not consider pitching to him and try to pitch to Randall Gritchick because he uh, who was it? I think it was it was either the Angels Angels or the Phillies that did it to the Blue Jays a couple weeks ago or earlier on in May, and Randall Gritchick was up, and then he hit a he hit a walk off single. So I don't really know why you would intentionally walk a guy that has struggled in order to face a guy that wasn't struggling and in fact took you deep twice in the game so i you know what i i'm glad you asked that because i i think that was a dumb move honestly like even if teoscar hernandez is one of your better hitters if he's not having a good game i think you still you you pitch to him and you try to get him out because three strikeouts like obviously there's no guarantee he was going to strike out again but if you can get a strikeout entire inning is different because then that play with randall gritchick could end the inning and then you go to extras so yeah i that i think is a questionable move like i i understand why you want to intentionally walk a good hitter but if he doesn't have it that day you try and pitch to him because obviously it was also raining too like we've always seen the rain the weather it makes baseball so much more different and some guys just some guys don't have it but also the ball the way it moves the way the the bat is wet like it's just it, it adds a whole level of complexity and so if you're Don Mattingly, I don't know why you're intentionally walking one of the better hitters or one of the better hitters that is struggling to face an even better or face an on par hitter who's had an even better day. So yeah, I, I just, I completely disagree with that actually. Yeah. And going back to what I said is I expected the Guerrero walk, but yeah, once Teoscar mm-hmm. Hernandez was walked, it was a little interesting. And I know that Randall Gritchick did pretty much ground into a force out at home for a double play. So nothing happened, but then Joe panic, we know the rest from there. So very interesting to see, how that all transpired, the ninth inning especially was memorable for the Blue Jays, so they come back, complete the sweep over the Marlins, and now they have another off day today before they're back in action tomorrow as they start a three-game series in Buffalo against the Houston Asterix. So it'll be a very <laughs> exciting series, tough series ahead, and from there I think we'll wrap it up. I know today was a little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, hopefully, too, by the end of the weekend, Mark is back. As always, you can rate and review our podcast our pod- podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sorry, I'm a little new to this. And, of course, you can watch us on YouTube. You can support our Patreon at patreon.com. The description, I believe, is below um, in, the, in the description that we post. So either way, uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time.